Greetings to each one and welcome to the service this morning. <clears throat> appreciate, um, appreciate your prayers. <clears throat> so it was not the last couple of days. <clears throat> Seemed like a, a bit of a stomach bug swept in yesterday afternoon and hit me pretty hard. But I'm, it's better now. So, uh, Thank you for reading that portion of scripture, Larry. <clears throat> And before I get into the message, I'd also like to thank the church for your generous gifts during the holidays. We're always blessed and encouraged and challenged by um, your generosity and the many things that you give to us. This is the first day of 2023, and I find myself pondering sometimes and wondering and thinking back to about, what was it, 23 years ago, and you know, even even longer ago than that, as the year 2000 was approaching, and it just seemed like that was there, there was an awe of mystery or something about that. And then, of course, all the uncertainties leading up to um, the end of 1999, and then the year 2000 rolled in, and nothing um, significant took place. Here we are already, 23 years later. Unbelievable sometimes how fast time goes. Some of you older folks... Um, probably could tell me that, well, this is, yeah, I've been seeing this for years. do want to welcome Marvin's and the family, too. I, I had a little bit of an inkling that they're coming, and so we pondered the idea of asking Marvin to preach and then figured out that it might, so we had to weigh in the balance whether Marvin's going to be here or whether we're going to have him preach. It didn't seem like both were going to happen, so uh, we welcome to the service. <clears throat> so there's been a number of things in the, in the last several months, and of course with it being a new year, that have kind of um, caused me to think about um, things in the line of the me- message today. The title of the message is Choices and Destinies. Several months ago now, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have the date exact in my head, we, we attended Dave King's dad, David's funeral, <clears throat> and then just a few weeks ago was my wife's Aunt Lena's funeral, and um, funerals are always a time to to think. I think it is good for us that are remaining to think about uh, the choices we're making in our lives, the direction our lives is are going. Both of these people were um, had lived their lives, uh, lives of, of David was especially passionate about the Bible, passionate about good literature and raising his sons and his family in, in a good way. <clears throat> he was dedicated uh, to his calling in the ministry of the church there. <clears throat> then Aunt Lena, also a very committed, dedicated lady, um, quick to, to give a word for the Lord to anyone that she met along the way. And... Um, Hospitable. Her home was always open to to strangers or to even family and friends, and very passionate about loving living for the Lord. That, along with a, a few th- things that there, there's going on in the community around us, I understand there's some teaching um, locally here about uh, some questionable. I call it, I would call it questionable teaching about hell and um, what hell actually is and. Part of that was my motivating factor for having Larry read Revelation 30, 
because if you look throughout the Revelation, I did not do an in-depth study, and, and I would like to study some more on that, but there's just a few simple passages in the book of Revelation that make it clear that, that hell is real and hell is uh, eternal. <clears throat> and then the other thing that we saw in the chapter there that, that, uh, that uh, Larry read was there is a day of reckoning. And, and no matter um, what we think about life hereafter, there is a day of reckoning for every single person on the face of the earth. Those who've lived before us, those who are living after us, and of course for those living today, there is a day of reckoning. There is a book where records are kept according to the book of Revelation, and God himself will be the judge. And there will be an end of time and life as we know it. And the last verse in that book says, Whosoever was not found, the last verse in that chapter says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We have a lot of choices that we make throughout our daily lives. And as we, especially when I think of attending funerals, as we think of uh, funerals, they give us a time to think about the choices and the direction our life is going in. And where will we be, like the song says, a million years from now? We all know a million years from now is hypothetical, but where will we be a million years from now? There's a lot of things in life that we can't control, a lot of things that are uncertain. We can't control what family we're born into. We can't control what race we were born into. We can't control the color of our eyes. We can change it by putting colorful contacts in. We can't control the color of our hair. Oh, we try to sometimes. People dye it. But there's things like that that are a part of us that we can't control. But there are some things that we can control, and there are some things that are sure. So I'd like to look at a few things here, and I've already alluded to some of these things, but the first one I want to emphasize is that we have one life to live. Every last one of us has one life to live. That's it, one. You don't get a second chance. Uh, We might say that we were given a second chance sometimes if we survived a, a situation, but in reality, we only have one chance at life. There's not a second chance at life. It's now. And we, we have people around us, um, I didn't review this, but Sevilla Kaufman was what, 103 when she passed away? 106, thank you for that correction. And, you know, that seems like a long, long time. If you look back at 106 years ago and, and you can't contemplate and consider all the changes that have taken place since then, but in reality, in the scope of life, even 106 years is just but a small, small fraction of time. Life is short and it's fragile. We don't know how long we have to live. We have one shot at life and we are not given a second chance. The second thing I want to mention is that the life we're living here on earth will end. That is one of the most sure things of life 
is that there, there will be either death or the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's one of the most sure things in life. A lot of thing, other things are variable, but you can be sure that your life here, as you know it now, will end someday in one way or the other. And whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's another 50 years or 100 for you, we don't know. But it will end, and that is for sure. This is not what we experience, in that, and the life we see and live here on earth now is not eternity. And there is a final destination for the human soul. I want to look at Matthew chapter 7 just a brief, just briefly. Jesus broke it down really simple and to the basics in Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Thirteen and fourteen, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There's only two ways, there's only two destinations to life, that's it, only two options. And the choices that we make today affect where we will be tomorrow and where our final destination will be <clears throat> it's really simple the the gate the narrow gate is hard to find few find it the broad gate is wide and it's easy to enter <clears throat> the narrow gate opens up to the narrow way and the broad gate leads opens up to the broad way the narrow way leads to life the broad way leads to destruction and I know a lot of um, ways that this has been depicted. It's been depicted like a fork in the road where the narrow way goes one way and the broad way goes in another. And it's been a few years ago. I think the first person I heard describe it this way was Simon Schrock. <clears throat> and I thought about that even as I was mentioning it. And probably there isn't very many people here that, not near as many, I should say, that would know who Simon Schrock was or is. <clears throat> But he, just, he, he depicted the narrow way as going right up through the middle of the broad way. And the people on the narrow way go in the opposite direction from the people on the broad way. It's not the easy way. The narrow way is not the easy way. It's the harder way of the two. <clears throat> and, we're, and if we expect to live life in heaven or in... Yes, if, if we expect to live life in eternity... <laughs> In heaven, we need to choose that narrow way. <clears throat> the broad, the narrow way is, doesn't pull us away from and doesn't make life here on earth easier as such. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 15, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. <clears throat> the narrow way is not the path of least resistance. fourth thing I'd like to talk about briefly is that the choices that we make today affect where we are at tomorrow and in eternity. <clears throat> what is said at a person's funeral didn't start just that morning of the funeral. It didn't, it's not something that people concocted the day before or after the person died. But it's said because of who that person was and who that person, well, how that person lived 
and that was affected by the choices that that person made. Daily choices, hourly choices, and even minute-by-minute choices that we make uh, along the way affect who we are at the end of life. And I think sometimes as we get um, wrapped up in life, we can forget how important or how how, um, uh, the effect that, that simple daily choices can have on on our outcome and where we end up at. <clears throat> Another thing that we can be sure of is that we will meet our judge. I've mentioned that briefly already. Uh, according to that verse, in, in Re- according to Revelation 20, there will be a day of reckoning. We will meet our judge. And the judge is God Almighty. He is the creator of the universe, but he's also the author of salvation. He alone is the judge, and he will judge rightly. And all will stand before him. I don't know how that will be. Um, but all will stand before him at some point in time. There will be no one standing there with you. You will stand before him alone. There will be no plea bargain, no second chances given. The verdict will be final. What God says and what he judges will happen. And that can seem fearful, and that can seem uh, frightening. But the reality of it is that he is also the author of salvation. He has made a way for us to, uh, like the scripture says, um, that some men's sins go before them. And we have that opportunity today. That's part of our choices that we have to make. Well, we, we will be judged by our works, by how we lived our lives, by what we did with our lives um, on that day when we stand before God in the great white throne judgment. <clears throat> Thinking about choices and some stories in Scripture that give us, um, that illustrate vividly to us choices that we can make. In Genesis 13, is a story of, of Abram and Lot. <clears throat> and in chapter 13, they're standing there. I picture it to be on the hillside. And they're overlooking the fertile plains of Jordan. At least they can see it from where they're standing. They, they've both grown. They've both accumulated servants. They've accumulated animals. They've been successful in business. And the land is getting crowded. There's not enough of room for the two of them. Some of their... their um, men were starting to get into squabbles. And Abram said, you know, we're going to need to separate. We're going to need to part ways. And we're brothers. We're gonna, we, let's stay brothers. Let's stay friends. And let's um, give each other some room. <coughs> and this story is so full of vivid examples of, of choices that people, these two men made and the results of those choices that as I pondered it, it was... It was um, Inspiring and challenging to think about. In Genesis 13, verse 11, Lot makes that pivotal choice, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And that's in verse 12. And in verse 13, right away, it tells us that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. But the the plain toward uh, Jordan, toward Sodom, was well watered. It was fertile ground. And it was pleasing to the eye, and, and Lot decided to take his people, his, his uh, yes, his animals and his servants into that direction. 
And Abram, at that point, Abram would have went either way. As I understand scripture, uh, Abram said, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. It wasn't like Abram was giving any specific um, uh, personal preference, but simply choose one way, I'll choose the other. And Lot chose the plains towards Sodom. <clears throat> How did Lot make that choice? What did he, what did he, what for thought processes did he use in making that choice? <clears throat> he obviously looked at at the land and at the, the prosperity of the land. It was well watered. It was fertile ground. But how did Abram make his choice? <clears throat> I think we can I think we can see here that Abram made his choice based on what was best for their relationship. He wasn't so concerned about his business or his um, the prosperity of his, of his of himself as it was. He wanted to maintain a good relationship with his nephew Lot. He said we're brothers. <clears throat> and I think Abram studying more of his life uh, he had a fascinating way of, of, I'm not even sure if the word fascinating is right, but to, to think about the choices that he made and how he made his choices. Up until this point, he had already made that difficult decision to leave his, his homeland, leave his father, <clears throat> and follow God to a land, Hebrews tells us, that he didn't even know where he was going, but God called him to go, and he followed <clears throat> Hebrews 11 says he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Somehow Abram had within himself the the ability to look beyond the moment and make decisions based accordingly. Whereas Lot was much more uh, making decisions based on the moment. Abram's choices were made from an eternal perspective. Now we do see that not all of Abram's choices were good. We know that, and that's kind of that can be encouraging to us because the Bible uh, doesn't just pull out the good choices that he made, but also tells us about some of his bad choices, like lying to the king of Egypt, lying to Abimelech, both of them. He was lying to them about his wife, and then taking on the the promise and into his own hands and fathering a son with Hagar. And you know, there's a really significant choice that Abram made. When he, when he took that, God had made a covenant with him that he would, his seed would be innumerable, and there would be so many of them. But he was, he, was of, he was getting older and older, and this wasn't happening. And Abraham took this, Abram took this into his own hands. <clears throat> and that choice still haunts the children of Israel today. Think about that. One choice that he made. I don't know how long he pondered before he made that, that choice. How long was the conversation going on before he decided to, to try to raise a son with Hagar because it wasn't happening with Sarah? <clears throat> but a choice that it, it's the root of the, the conflict between the Palestinians and the Jewish people today. Not 10 years ago or 100 years ago, up till today. That choice many, many years ago had significant impact and to this day on the children of Israel. <clears throat> then if we go back to Lot already in chapter 14, he is captured along with the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and then Gomorrah and then Abram gathers his army together, not even though he wasn't a military man, 
and he rescued them back. And then in chapter 18, we see the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it seems like at least their lot made one reasonably good choice, uh, even though it, seemed, it took a lot of convincing. He did follow his uncle's advice and chose to flee Sodom. Of course, we know how that worked. His wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And, and uh, Lot ended up being scared where he was first and went up into the mountains. And there we had the situation with him and his two daughters. Again, some bad choices that were made and choices that haunted the children of Israel for years um, because of those bad choices that night. That time there with his two daughters, Moab and Ammon, were born. And the offspring of them were the Moabites and the Ammonites. And you read the Old Testament, that name often comes up in conflict with the children of Israel. Choices that people made. Think about that. Choices. Daily choices. Choices of the moment. Choices of the hour. <clears throat> the stories of Abram and Lot are full of vivid examples of daily choices and how they affected long-term events. And we could talk about other characters in the Bible. Isaac and Jacob. Jacob's sons and the choices they made in um, covering and getting rid of Joseph. And then Joseph and there would be another whole story of the choices that he made. There again, daily choices. Some at the moment may have seemed insignificant, but had lasting impact and lasting effects on his offspring. <clears throat> or we could go all the way back to Noah, choosing to follow God and build an ark when it seemed like the most ridiculous thing ever to do. And yet he followed God and chose to follow him, and that saved him and his son's lives. Or we could go all the way back to Adam and Eve and the choice that they made there in the Garden of Eden. And you and I today uh, deal with the choices, the effects of the choices that Adam and Eve made in the Garden. <clears throat> and that's, that's people back there. But I'm sure each of us could even think of people that we know personally in recent years that have made... Uh, choices that turn their lives in, in a direction that we're, I'm pretty sure that if they would have, I'm pretty sure they didn't realize that they would end up where, they're, where they had actually ended up. <clears throat> now I'd like for a few minutes to consider a choice that I think is significant. Now it's not just a matter of what I think. It is one of the most significant examples of choices in the Bible. And we sang about it, joy to the world. If it weren't for the choices that Jesus Christ made, we wouldn't be able to sing these Christmas carols that we love so well. And I'm thinking of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I won't take... um, Yes, I will read them. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no... And look at the choices that Jesus made here. He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We can't emphasize enough the significance of the choices that Jesus made to come to this earth, to take upon himself the form of a man, to surrender himself to death, and even the death of a cross, one of the most horrible ways to die. But he did it with an eternal perspective in mind. He did it with you and I in mind. He did it with the church in mind. He emptied himself. ESV says, in the phrase, made himself of no reputation, ESV says he emptied himself. And these were choices that he made. I think, I'm not sure what the dialogue was between him and the Father as to before Jesus came to earth. But I think there was an understanding. Jesus had an understanding. There was only one way that a full, complete, and final atonement could be offered to mankind, and that was through his own blood. He knew that when he came to earth, and yet he came. And even on the cross, his life wasn't taken from him. He gave his life. It was a choice he made to put up with that horrible death and then to give his life for the sins of the world. He chose to become man, knowing full well what the results of that choice would entail. And Romans 5 tells us about, makes a comparison between how one man's sin affected us and now one man's life affects us as well. By one person's choices, by Jesus' choices, we can all receive atonement for our sins and be justified. And then Romans 5 goes right into Romans 6, and you would know that Romans 6 is also full of talking about choices that we make. <clears throat> and it's a marvel that God, God in his, um, I'm not sure, sovereignty, I guess you would say, has, has gives us the choices, the opportunity to choose like he does. He doesn't force us to be his servants. He doesn't force us to, we would be his slaves then. But he gives us the opportunity and he says, here it is. You choose this, it's going to take you to life. You choose this, it's going to take you to death. He puts it there in front of us, and then we need to decide what we want to do with that. <clears throat> I'll read Romans 6, verses 11 through 23. It's sort of jumping into the, the chapter, but I'll, I'll read these verses anyway. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. Reckon ye, that's a choice that we make. Ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Again, choices. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we... Sin, because we're not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you choose to be a servant, to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. The two basic choices. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, 
Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. And I think I'll just skip on down to 22 and 23. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we get to choose. He gives us that opportunity to choose. Do we want death? Do we want to experience the wages of sin? Or do we want to experience the gift of God and eternal life? That's a choice that we get to make. But we have to choose to surrender ourselves. We have to choose to yield ourselves. We have to choose to crucify the flesh if we want to expect to walk in newness of life. The choice is ours to make, and that's the marvel that I am am fascinated and inspired with this morning, and the challenge. And each of us here needs to choose what we want to do with our life. That you get to do. You get to choose. But you can, uh, as the saying goes, you can, uh, see, if I can get it right now, you can choose the destination and accept the path, or you can choose the path and accept the destination. Choosing the right path isn't necessarily the easiest one to go on, but the rewards are eternal and phenomenal and well worth it. I'd like to close with some reminders that we have two destinations to choose from. We get to choose, and I'm just briefly, I'm not even skimming the surface of these these two choices, but the choices are two, they're simple, and they're basic. It's heaven or hell. You get to choose which one you want. Heaven is eternal. And how we live in This life does affect how we will live in heaven. Scripture is there to support that. Who will be in heaven? There will be no sin there. We saw that in Revelation 20. Only those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life will be there. The other option is hell. Hell is also eternal. It is real. We often get asked the question, how can a loving God send people to hell? I'm not sure what the best answer is to that, but I think I would say it this way. He doesn't. He doesn't. We choose it. The options are there. He's a just and holy God, so he has to reckon with that. But he does give us a choice. He has graciously graciously provided a way for us to not go to hell, but to go to heaven. So I challenge us. We make choices minute by minute, hour by hour, and day by day. How are these choices affecting our lives? And which way are you traveling on, the broad way or the narrow way? The choice is yours and will have lasting effects. Let's kneel for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we Kneel before you here on the brink of this new year, as it were. Thank you for the opportunity.